0: It's Daijobu Neil. Dajobu. Actually, Neil, it's episode 64. Today is April 28th of 2018. Uh, I'm your lush.
1: Last... Ho- hold up. It's actually April 30th, 2018.
2: Ah, oh, man. That's right. I'm Neil. Hold up. It's actually April 29th, 2018. I'm Cookie. No, Wait.
0: it's not. No, it's actually April 30th, though. Yeah. And I'm confused. And also, Scott.
1: Welcome to the uh, Fancy Ramen Podcast. Exactly. Where we're
2: always on time.
1: And you guys weren't joking. The docket's pretty long now that I look at it again. (laughs) Uh, So let's get (laughs) right into it. What have you guys been up to this past week?
0: I took a uh, quick vacation out to Seattle over um, the weekend. and That was a lot of fun. Had a bunch of good food. It was rainy the whole time, which meant I didn't get to enjoy the beach, which is too bad, but expected.
2: Um, yeah, overall I had a really good vacation I got to unwind a bit Nice, it was warm enough That I decided to take Lizzie on a walk And we walked around a lake And this walk was really just because I didn't want to do any yard work So Sunday uh, I got to finally mow the lawn Yay, and pick up sticks Did you I... do uh, Chalco or Zerinsky? Um. Neither It was a different lake I forget what oh, it's called Oh nice that's awesome. I was wondering if you stayed in town or not. We did stay in town.
0: Then what lake did you do? Private like, Lake.
2: It's Private like Lake. Okay. Giles and Seventy Fourth ish. Oh, okay. I don't know that one. Yeah. But yeah. So yard work. That's 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 my life now. How about you, Neil?
1: Well, I uh, I've been working a lot, which is also why I was not on last week. Uh, but I picked up a couple. Or I started watching a couple new animes that are, I think, airing... Yes, they're both airing this season. Uh, and I'm just going to real quickly go over why you guys need to watch them, too. The first one's Wotaku uh, ni Koi wa uh, Muzukashi, or shorthand... Uh, what, uh, wait, Wota- Wotakoi, excuse me, Wotakoi, or Love is Hard for Otaku. And it's basically about four adults and later six that have like different focuses within, within their respective like otaku interests uh but the story is more or less about like these four kind of accepting each other for who they are what they are it's not even that serious it's just like really light-hearted perspectives of these two couples and then this third couple uh and kind of how they interact with each other how their interests intertwine um and, yeah, just, just a lot of weird stuff. Uh, really fun, kind of slice of life-ish. And the second one is Hina Matsuri. And it follows a mysterious girl named Hina who has superhuman telekinetic powers and how she affects the lives of those people around her, or, like, the people she comes into contact with. Uh, the, like, second main character is named Nita, and he's this uncharacteristically gentle Yaku- uh, Yakuza soldier who has, like, a passion for collecting vases or vases and other things, and he ends up becoming her adoptive father. Uh, father. And as a result, like, he's constantly uh, dealing with, like, that change and having a kid and no longer being able to, you know, do have that whole bachelor party lifestyle, or so you think. Uh, but that that's really good so far. It, it's maybe, like, the most fun I've had watching an anime in quite a while definitely check it out
2: you would pick the slice of life and you wouldn't be watching the um mechanical boxing arm anime are you still watching that scott megalo box i am it's good
0: right it is good i'm enjoying it a lot i like the music i like the basic premise and i like the characters so far the stakes couldn't be higher i think that was the name of the last episode or something about dying it's it's normally like well yeah normally it has something to do with like death
2: like the man only dies once or so, so Neil I'm kind of curious about this um otaku lifestyle uh what are the different otaku lifestyles
1: So the main female protagonist is a uh a mangaka or maybe that's not the right term because she doesn't do it for a living but she she makes, she makes manga and then sells them at conventions. Usually, uh, I I don't know if they ever really get into whether or not it's original content or if it's like dojin. Uh, but she's super into boy uh, boys love or boy love, and her boyfriend, the male protagonist, is a gaming otaku, and then their friends uh, or coworkers actually first. Uh, the guy is super into, like, shonen and maybe even shoujo, uh, like, romance manga. So he's, like, a big manga guy. And his girlfriend is a cosplayer. And uh, she cosplays as uh, usually, like, pretty boy guys. And she's, she's also into boys' love. So, like, at some point, I don't think the anime's gotten there yet, but they start shipping their two boyfriends together and argue about who's top and who's bottom it makes sense it's pretty yeah it's pretty good it i i think one of the comparisons i've i've seen people making the comparison to that of like mmo junkie and uh which was like one or two seasons ago but i really want to point out that this isn't so much about like a person or people dealing with how like that lifestyle conflicts with their regular uh like their their day-to-day lives or their work it's literally about four people that manage it perfectly fine and just the weird conversations and things that happen to them
2: well don't delete the docket and i will find these on vrv
1: yeah vrv
2: i still need to look into that and switch over to that from crunchyroll Oh, my God, it's so much better. The The app is a little jankier, unfortunately, but the amount of content that you get for just the couple of bucks extra is totally worth the um, jankiness.
1: Well, so do you guys have anything else to go over before I start yapping about uh, the games I've played and finished? Have you played? Oh, I guess
0: you have been playing more than just one. Yeah, I'm I'm down to listen.
1: Sorry, plugging something in real quick. One sec.
2: Well, Well, uh, he's plugging that in the persona five anime is something that's still going on yeah i keep
0: i keep like starting it and getting five to ten minutes in and then distracting myself with like oh there's something else i could be doing whether it's like a game or another show or like some chore to get done i keep putting it off
1: i mean is it, it is it an issue of it being not as good or... I think
0: the thing that's keeping me from like sitting down on an episode is I'm just like, well, I know how this is already going to go. And it's it's hard to kind of break that, um, like already knowing all of the twists and whatnot. And so being less inclined to follow the
2: story because of it. Well, see, now I'm getting enjoyment out of at least because they're still just on the first case. Enjoyment out of like the slight. Variations and differences, in what's and I going haven't even on. gotten far enough yet to appreciate that, so that's probably another element too. Thought I'd do it because the first difference only hits like in the second episode, and I was like, gotcha. Oh, that's how this happens.
0: What I don't remember that happening like that. What my main character hasn't been
2: sarcastic this whole time. That's not oh my how God, I remember playing him. He is so mute in this game,
1: <laughs> uh, so he, he's actually mute in the anime.
2: Yeah, so he's, um, he's the, so you know how you had like the four options, one was not to say anything, one was to be kind of like aloof, yet very few words, then one was the ass prick that everyone actually goes with all the time. Yeah, uh, it's the best. Pretty much. <laughs> it's the, it's the aloof with very few words, if not anything. Or just the straight
1: up like ellipse. I think that's maybe how I'd prefer it. Also, do you like that,
0: that uh, silent protagonist Link-style narrative?
1: I guess so. Uh, which I do have to say, after finishing, finally finishing uh, Breath of the Wild, I probably wouldn't have it any other way for Link either. Um, I really have to say, though, that for Breath of the Wild, I, I, I wish I had checked how many hours I put into that game before I started this podcast, because I'm not going to now. Uh, but I... Feel badly for both of you because you, you, the two of you, played the game without playing the DLCs, uh, the two DLC packs that came out afterwards. Correct? We beat the game without any of that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, because we you've... don't
2: need DLC to finish finish the story or a video game.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I know the first DLC was mostly just armor sets and some other things, but the second DLC came uh, brought about some story related content, and I talked very briefly about how the Champions Ballad in particular brought. Over a lot of uh, a lot of cutscenes pertaining to not Link and the champions, but rather Zelda and the champions, and I think those definitely helped develop Zelda as a character more for the player, or more for all of us, I guess. Any player, uh, and I, I think also see a different side of each of the champions too, because, I mean, you see how they act. Or interact with like essentially the person they're serving, as opposed to the young human boy. Um, but the fifth divine beast, which was also part of that DLC two pack, I think had some of my favorite, uh, some of my favorite gameplay in, it in a variety of forms. Uh, so first and foremost, the final divine beast chamber, if you will. Is a combination of all four of the original divine beasts, and uh, I—if I'm not—yeah, yeah. So
0: is it just some hideous chimera?
1: <laughs> well, so I don't know if there's really a great shape to this divine beast. At least when you're inside it, you don't really know what it is. And I digress. I went into it without knowing exactly what the hell the reward was going to be. But if I had maybe paid more attention to like the advertising behind the DLC pack, I would I would have assumed it would have been this thing, which I'll reveal in a second. But since I was playing it without, you know, I, I played the game with the DLC enabled like a, after a couple hours, so I just never knew what was DLC and what wasn't until afterwards, or after I talked to Tiffany about it. Uh, the boss in this particular Divine Beast is actually one of those uh, Sheikah monks, I guess, that are inside the shrines that usually have their face covered and are skeletal basically like remains. Uh, So it's it's like the only human one-on-one fight or boss fight that you actually get in the game. And it is spectacular because I mean, granted it looks kind of like you know, Hardly flesh and bones. Uh, but it actually puts up a bit of a fight and is very nimble and will call out like Shadow Clones and in, in Naruto-esque way. Um, and it will also grow into a giant size at certain points. There's different different uh, forms of the boss. And then coming to my next point, or actually, uh, yeah, yeah, I guess, coming, coming to my next point, the music in that boss fight, as well as all of the DLC was just fantastic. Uh, so it, it's it's not like as epic sounding, but it's super fun and just like, I don't know, uh, toe tapping as you fight it. Because you know the person's not necessarily trying to kill you, so it doesn't have to sound like epic or ominous or anything like the Ganon boss fight music or the Hyrule Castle music. But it's just, uh, it's it's catchy. And what adds to that too is that the the Fourth Divine Beast music is also like an expanded or rearranged version of the Divine Beast soundtrack you or music you have in the core game. And I if I'm not mistaken, I also think there is a change in some of the trial music uh which you you go through like I think it's something like a combination of 12 or 14 new trials that don't give you medals per se but they Are what allow you to unlock each of the champions' portions of the ballad. Which leads me to like the last and biggest highlight is that Cass, the uh, Rito that plays the accordion.
0: Yes, our our parrot friend.
1: Yeah, each time you run into him, uh, he's basically trying to learn the song from his teacher. And it starts off like kind of crummy and gets better and better and better with each passing champion you get. Not to mention, he also plays the champion's themes via accordion, including Zelda's theme uh, eventually by the end of this whole quest. And it's just... It's fantastic. It's a really cool take uh, having a single instrument, but, you know, a a polyphonic instrument play these full... uh, These character themes. So, yeah. I'm kind of... I kind of wonder like what i what the game would have been to me if I had not played those. I'm sure it's like still a great game, but I do feel a little bad that you guys weren't able to experience it uh right, I'm assuming you
2: guys haven't played the d l c s is that right That's right for me, and you cookie Yes, sorry, you cut out really badly my internet hiccups oh, so I got a little, and I was like, well. And then I heard, "And you, Cookie?" And I was like, "Well, you, you haven't you haven't played the DLCs, right?" Nah.
1: Oh, and speaking of which, the final divine beast is the uh, motorcycle. So it's a unicorn or a horse. I can't remember exactly what it was. Wait, you're Wait, not so messing with us. that's how you us? get the motorcycle. Yeah, I'm. I'm not messing with you. That is literally the fifth divine beast. It's really small. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's actually kind of inferior to horses in many ways uh like so i beat the game for that matter and oh yeah there's spoilers obviously as we yeah probably i'll maybe edit something in or put it in the show notes or whatever uh but during the final boss uh there's a point where you get teleported out into the fields around hyrule castle Uh, and you start off on a horse automatically and you go pick up the light bow. Uh, since I, since I had the motorcycle, I proceeded to jump off of the horse and, uh, use the motorcycle. And Tiff actually noted that like I was actually getting hit during this boss fight, whereas or this portion of the fight, whereas she wasn't. So we were kind of making the assumption that like a good horse is probably faster than the motorcycle, but it's a motorcycle. It's great. Uh, doesn't it have like better terrain uh
0: properties like you can climb steeper terrain or something with it
1: maybe i i didn't notice you don't know for sure i didn't notice like a great improvement on going up mountains maybe the bigger thing is that it's just a horse may not proceed to follow your directions when being told to go up a mountain whereas your motorcycle doesn't really think it just lets you drive so if you don't like the horse the whole horse movement situation when you're going off path the motor motorcycle is definitely better for that uh, and speaking of the last boss uh, I just wanted to talk briefly about the ending um, like I- I've realized that there are reasons why Zelda needs to survive but am am I the only one that kind of wishes Zelda had also been like a spirit like her father the king oh like a ghost Zelda I don't see why they can't work that into the narrative it's just I I don't mind that it's been a hundred years and like there's really like so Tiffany pointed out that the justification is most likely that she was in the spirit realm with Ganon in some form and basically sealing him there since they've talked about like the spirit realm has been brought in from Ocarina of Time and a few other games right absolutely yeah where like time itself is not like of its normal construct. Um, but like at the same time, like that probably would have been like the better book ending had I mean, she been dead this whole time because she had, you know, much like the champions before her, basically had to pay the ultimate sacrifice in order to like enable this this act of sealing Ganon, right? And these games
0: work upon, like, a very strong story element of, like, reincarnation and kind of the timelessness of these characters. So killing off Zelda in one game is, like, not that big of a consequence. She can always be brought back in however they want to continue that particular branch of the timeline, you know? So
1: so what Tiffany told me was that why they couldn't do that is because Zelda is confirmed to be a through various games and so forth, uh, sources, the she's confirmed to be reincarnated through bloodline, whereas Link isn't. Oh, okay. I didn't, I guess that's
0: true. I, I get lazy in that, um, in that consideration because I remember all the examples of Link coming from obviously different like bloodlines.
1: Wait, I mean, what's wrong with, you know, dating your cousin, man? Come on. No, I, well, there's wow. a lot wrong with that. <laughs> I really can't. <laughs> no, I, I, I legit like had the same thought too. One. I was just like, wait, why? Be, because I, I thought, yeah, why? Why couldn't Zelda be? But I, I, I wasn't under, or I, I didn't didn't know at the time that like Link's reincarnation is not based upon bloodline, but. Zelda's is. I don't know if Ganon's is based
0: off of his bloodline either. I think it's exclusively Zelda who follows that logic. Because Ganon, I think, is normally, like, if they talk about his origins at all, it's Prince of Thieves or, like, the male born of the Gerudo tribe for the past hundred or thousand years or so.
1: But I don't think he's a Gerudo in a handful of games
0: yeah, exactly. And so that that's kind of what I I mean like I don't think Link or Ganon follow the same like strict rules as Zelda necessarily does.
1: You know, you could even make the argument like and this is me like not knowing much about Zelda lore to begin with, that maybe Ganon is the one person that retains some form of his memories from past lives too. Sure. I mean, I wouldn't know anything about it. Like there's a reason he's prob like the reason that he's got a stick up his ass this whole time is because he's constantly reliving his failures.
0: Yeah. He just keeps losing against like over and over. That's a, re- that's a terrible feedback loop to be in.
1: Yeah. Oh, and, and so like, I guess the only other thing I wanted to bring up was I really really wish and I would even say that like if a $20 DLC came pack uh DLC pack, excuse me, came out that offered this I would love ha- if they included like an end game world state uh state where after you beat Ganon like the castle obviously isn't just like fully renovated and so forth but like people are attempting to rebuild the castle all of the characters you've talked to in different towns now have new interactions and dialogue, basically confirming or, uh, uh what's the word I'm looking for? Denying. Acknowledging the fact that Ganon is no longer, it, you know, is no longer a threat, that sort of thing. And, uh, and then, I mean, I don't know if it's entirely necessary, but maybe setting up like a different camp. Or dungeon for the moblins and bokoblins and all the enemies that were at the castle to be someplace else. Just so if you want to go and grind out things, you could. Like, I really wish that there was like a Citadel DLC, basically. You mean like the Citadel DLC from Mass Effect 3? Exactly, yeah.
0: Oh. Yeah, that's okay. how I feel about that. I do I do love the DLCs or at least the uh like late game to end game elements that they've added to some of the newer Zelda games that are just like the uh gauntlet style um bonus dungeons. I they did it for I'm trying to think of games that did it well. Paper Mario 1000-year door was really good at it, but I also actually really enjoyed it's implementation into a link between worlds, which was the link to the past remake that they had a tower next to like the tower of Hera that you would climb and it would just get like harder and harder combat trials. I'd love doing that with like with breath of the wild since they've already added the, you know, DLC of a new dungeon, but just like have more and more difficult com combat trials for another like, Gauntlet shrine to perform.
1: Oh, so you know, there uh, you heard about the trial of the sword, though, right? Or the master sword.
0: Uh, so that is how you uh, get the master sword to um, avoid having a breaking limit, correct?
1: I think it still, br- oh no, it, it definitely still breaks, but it keeps the sword at 60 damage all the time. Oh, it still breaks. That's that kind of sucks. Like I was hoping
0: like I would have been happy if it was only 60 for guardians, 30 for everything else, but it never
1: broke. The the breaking point does seem to be a lot higher though because I went through and when I say I went through, like I I tried to clear out like every enemy and every guardian with a few exceptions of enemies just being in stupid places uh of Hyrule Castle. And I think it broke maybe once or twice and i'm i was using it to break boxes and i was using it very haphazardly too pretty good then i've gotten it to last maybe three guardians oh and speaking of which the lack of fanfare when you pick up the hyrule shield is kind of disappointing but it was cool having that and the master sword equipped going through the final cutscenes.
0: Wait, how do you get the High Rule Shield? Don't you just find it in the castle?
1: You have to kill a, uh, a a skeleton version of a Hinox. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's those are annoying
0: fights. Sometimes you can only damage the eyeball.
1: Yeah, when once the eyeball falls out, it's funny yeah. how you can fucking drop kick that eyeball too. It's real good. I love it. Uh, but I guess yeah, I guess you
0: just pick up the shield and then the little kazoo theme plays.
1: But yeah, fucking great game. Aside from that, the other game I picked up uh, and st- started playing was Terraria. And so yes. that's pretty old. I did really quickly want to say that like I had always hesitated about playing this game because I don't I don't know, like just a lot of reasons that are not justified in having. And once I got a like I'm not even past surface level, but just some of the fine details that they put into the game, like being able to use control to essentially uh, allow you to dig or mine or chop or whatever in the nearest uh, square in relation to where your mouse is. The ability to auto arrange your inventory to auto stack into chests around you. Uh, there's there's just a lot of things that make this game, like really really, I guess, convenient
0: to play. Yeah,
1: user friendly and intuitive. Absolutely, Terraria is amazing for that. It, um, it's kind of a give- shame that there are still things I would change about it, but at the same time, it's like I'm. I have to acknowledge that this game came out. It's one of the first of its kind.
0: Yeah, I remember playing this game in high school. So it's been out for quite a while. And, uh, yeah, it's good. Have you, so that's another game that you could have a quick little statement about, like, late game challenges. Have you fought? many of the like larger monsters or boss fights in that game
1: so tiffany's basically holding my hand all the way through this game so far and we just got past uh the eye of cthulhu okay
0: yeah that's normally the very first one you'd fight and uh it's not too bad of a fight i have really fond memories of the first time doing it uh my friend equipped me with a bunch of bombs and I ended up building or like blowing up the top of the tower that we were on because I didn't understand the repercussions of my actions. <laughs> 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 so we ended up on the ground just like running along the terrain as fast as possible away from the eye. Um, nice. Yeah, that's a that's a good game. Hopefully you and Tiff get some more mileage out of it. It's a lot of fun in my opinion. Well, so what have you guys been playing?
2: Cookie, would you care to go first? Yeah, sure. So the only new thing that I have played is a little game called Chicago, What's a Zombie. Or I guess I'll put it in here as Seattle Become a Zombie. Anyway, uh Detroit to become human uh had a demo that came out for PS4. And it's the negotiator demo. So like when you actually watch the one guy flipping his coins and then he talks to the um, android on the top of the roof holding the gun to the girl's head and kind of all the decision trees you can make I've only played through it once but I really oh. want to play through it a second time and a I've, third time I've played every possible ending on that one oh nice so that means you've got more context because I definitely chose the most common ending because I kind of fucked up And which ending is had, that Just had to sacrifice myself which means you
0: got uh, shot and you saved the girl and I think you like pushed the other android to its death, right? I
2: fell along with the other android while pushing him to his death while oh, saving the girl. Oh,
0: okay. That's actually not so bad then. Yeah, that's probably one of the most common outcomes. The very yeah. first one that I got with Sierra when we played was... I think you push the Android out of, Oh no. The first one is we gained his trust and he was killed. He was executed by the police. Um, cause Connor is a bad robot and, uh, pretty much no matter what you do, not everybody leaves the situation happily. Um, there's one though, where you can actually, uh, instead of pushing him off i think you just get a slightly better edge than what happened to you cookie like that is the baseline i think for both of you jumping and you save the girl but there's one instance in which you essentially like you shove him off the roof you save the girl but then you get shot in the head so you power down right in front of her and it scars her like real bad wow how do i get this there's some super like it's fucking crazy the different ways that the paths branch and it makes me wonder what the impact is for the overall narrative in the game
1: so the police officer or like the the swat guy that shoots you just basically panics
0: no 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 the villain um the okay, okay the aberrant or the abnormal like android you shove him before he can harm the girl, and you pull the girl back from the ledge, but as he 's falling, he domes you, and so you'd like die right in front of the girl i e die that which is not living cannot die so
1: whoa, whoa, I mean, it sounds like you're a human a human loving uh cyborg hater android hater y- yeah f-
0: f- fuck these uh goddamn flash drives i don't care if they've got arms and legs um i'm really interested in in this game after that i will say that the camera is a little funky like yeah it's it's sometimes difficult because you're also using the right analog stick to do these like contextual actions with manipulating the camera that will cause you to like pick up or inspect things and it feels nice and intuitive unless you're actually trying to like see something with the camera and then execute an action in the same direction like it's a little jankier there it's not terrible, but sometimes it can I can end up wasting time like manipulating my camera a bunch so I'm looking at it before I execute the right analog commands
2: yeah I I kind of like the controls. They kind of feel... They felt funky yet familiar. Familiar to the Quantic Dream standards. Hmm. Correct. So yeah, so it's, it's been a while since I played like a quick time event that didn't actually have any kind of repercussions and or I could take my time besides... I think the last time I did that was Mourn the Death of a Soldier in a Call of Duty game where you press X or A to mourn. To pay your respects. Ooh, yeah. Yeah, that one. Yeah.
0: Um. So did you encounter... Tell me about your experience since you only played it once. Did you kind of pick up on it as things were moving along? Did you have any experiences that were uh, not vital to your mission goal? I saved a fish. Okay. Yeah, that's what I was curious about. Did you save the fish? Did you save dinner? Um, yeah. Yeah, I saved dinner as well. <laughs> what's interesting in this game, Neil, is you actually take a penalty for doing things that are not relevant to the objective or the mission. So when you save a fish, you have like a slight internal crisis with your brain. Cause, pretty much. It's like chances of yeah. success like goes down 3%. Yeah. It was like you wasted your time on the fish. You're desynchronizing. (laughs) So remember, Neil, the reason that I'm anti-cyborg, anti-Android or whatever is because I'm programmed to be that way. And if I reject my programming, I could die (laughs) or something. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, I don't know. Every ending, I will say, because I guess with the one that you saw, Cookie, Connor the android sacrifices himself um, to kill Daniel, the other android. But in any of the ones where Connor is not killed, he just has this like, I'm a hard ass face for every, every other like final scene, whether he did a good job or he did a bad job. He just walks away. Like I did my job, <laughs> <laughs> even if he failed at it. And it's,
1: it's kind of funny <laughs> and <laughs> In retrospect. <laughs> Sounds like typical Quantic Dream scripting. Yeah, so, I
2: don't know if the writing's great. So I totally am kind of curious, though, if there's like a Mark Zuckerberg android in Detroit Become Human. Because <laughs> that'd be just the best. <laughs> then you have a little smile gauge. So <laughs> you make a <them> smile. <laughs> you like, nah. Oh, man. I've been watching a lot of Mark Zuckerberg recently. <laughs> Anyway, hi. Detroit become human. The um, beta is the demo is only like two two and a half gigs. It's, it's worth a nice checking thirty out. minute romp yeah. through. I need to have Lizzie go through it at least once, and I need to figure out if I'm going to be buying this game or not. Which I'm probably not, but you know, maybe. Who knows? I'm kind of poor. Sierra's super hyped. I might actually like.
0: She may end up being convinced in buying this game, and I'd love to watch her play it. There's something that's really satisfying about watching your partner like make decisions, especially if they're ever on like an ethical or moral gray area. It's there's something very satisfying about watching that and then criticizing them no matter what they do.
2: Yes. <laughs> yeah. Have you have you played anything else new, Scott?
0: Um I haven't played anything else new. I am Flying through Nino Cooney. Um, the only thing of relevance that I can think of to it right now is how do you guys feel about games that make you complete certain, like what would otherwise be considered very secondary objectives in order to progress, like the main plot of a story? And I'll give you an example um, that I think you guys can relate with or appreciate somewhat could
1: could i ask that Let's you refrain say, from any spoilers because i legitimately had to oh, skip I won't, over I won't all spoil of your this. discussion of Nino kuni 2 when i was <laughs> at said, uh, okay
0: yeah i i apologize for that um i don't think i gave anything super spoilery
1: away for uh, i might have i won't say anything I, i'm not sure because i heard it and i was like well i'm just gonna skip ahead Fifteen twenty minutes and see where I can jump in on. <laughs> okay, yeah, I don't think that
0: I don't think that it's too big of a deal or that I spoiled much for you. Um, if I did say, "No, you're anything. fine, you're fine," I know I left the biggest twist out at least up till that point. Anyway, long story short, Nino Cooney, there's a particular barrier that I'm going to illustrate by saying: let's say we're playing Fallout Four, and in in order to continue the main story your um, neighborhood or your first, like, base or encampment has to be outfitted to a certain extent. Like, let's say um, you just need to demonstrate that you're able to build, like, a competent settlement that's relatively successful in comparison to what, like, the basic outfitting of a settlement would otherwise be in that game. So you have all of the, like, food systems worked out and you have shelter for everybody your citizens are all happy you have defense against raiders like you've outfitted it and equipped it quite a bit and so only at that point you can continue in the fallout story because some some reason you had to have your settlement better but you don't know why because the mission may not actually involve your settlement in any way besides is maybe
2: like a staging area or something So basically what you're saying is you have to become one of the best Blitzball players in Final (laughs) Fantasy X
0: before you can progress the main story. I did not know that that was a thing, but um, I'm going to assume that it is based upon your response.
2: I don't think you really have to play much (laughs) Blitzball, but either way. um, So I can tell you if the... Gameplay loop was not fun enough. I have dropped games for far less reasons. Mm. And what about you, Neil? How do you feel about that?
1: It probably depends on just how how much... If I'm not enjoying it, it really boils down to how much I want to see the next chapter of the story, or the resolution, if I'm near the end.
0: Yeah. I feel like in my particular scenario, to complete this task, it's more of a waiting game than anything else, because I've enjoyed the aspect that um, I needed to build up or improve on enough that I was already kind of doing it on the side the whole time. But there's a certain amount of delay time necessary to progress forward. And I haven't done that yet, or I haven't invested in that direction. And so I'm kind of just sitting around waiting and it's got me a little antsy and I'm doing a bunch of side quests. But I should be close to the end soon enough. Looking forward to it.
1: Otherwise, that's it. Sweet. Well, So we can quickly go over some news. Uh, we'll keep it light and pick up anything that we missed next week.
2: Uh... So to stay super unspoily, I com- totally, completely forgot that that one Marvel movie came out. It's good. I liked it. I need to go see it again. I'm going to go see it again. So yeah, it's good. Not only two this songs. Was, wait, only two songs? Only two songs. <laughs> like, like you think I'm like joking, but since you have to watch the um, end credit scenes, oh, for those who weren't paying attention to the Marvel movie, um, the Avengers Infinity War came out. But yeah, so since you have to wait for the end credit scenes, there's only one, and it's at the very, very, very end. So it's not like a mid credit scene, Mm -hmm. it's just at the very end. So you know, you've got to already sit through like all the rigging artists, all the CG production guys, all that shit. I guess. And then you know how the last section is always
0: music. Yeah, I guess you can say that Marvel, the Marvel Cinematic Universe or whatever, has actually done a really good job at getting people's names and movies read more often by the public by just having all these post-credit scenes.
2: Yeah. I've actually quite literally always look for Hank Hill. I haven't seen him once, but I'm pretty sure there's got to be a Hank Hill that is a part of a Marvel movie. Someday. I mean, <laughs> the franchise is only growing. Pretty much. And but it, yeah, so like two two songs were the credits for like the music. They're like and. Lucasfilms does the scoring for the credit roll and oh. Rubber Band Man by that one band played and the Black Panther theme song by Ludwig, whatever that guy's name is. Von who made Beethoven. The Black Panther. Unfortunately not, <laughs> but yeah. But uh, Black Panther theme song were the only two songs in that movie and I didn't even realize and I didn't care like so much shit was going down
0: huh yeah it's supposed to be what is it this is the like cap to the first half of their planned cinematic experience
2: pretty much and i'm super pissed okay. so not to give anything away <laughs> the thing they did at the very end they could have did so much better and then they could have been like here's the new generation of heroes everybody But nah, they were just like, this. And you're like, why'd you do that? And then the post credit scene happened, and you're like, oh, that's what's been going on there. And then you're like, shit, why'd you do that? And then you're like, oh, shit, I know that symbol!
0: Oh. What? (laughs) So they're bringing back the X-Men. You heard it here first. (laughs) Nah, it's it's
1: Captain Marvel. Oh, okay. Really? Wait. And really, so that's I, that's the big
2: reveal, Captain Marvel. Yeah, we're excited. Has when you Cap- said oh, when he okay. said
1: X Men, like Scott, I, I was actually way more <laughs> excited. Damn. But. Well, you know I like Captain Marvel. I, I mean, heard somebody's like
0: fan theory that one thing that could happen is they could because the X Men aren't present. And one, one way that they could bring the X-Men in would be to have, I don't, I don't know the characters. Look, I shouldn't be explaining this fan theory because I'm (laughs) ill-equipped to do it, but essentially there's one character that can sort of bend reality to their will and they could moreover cause the X-Men to happen. That's all I remember hearing from this fan theory from someone who
2: actually cares about comic books and stuff. So they're probably talking about um what's his face, Adam. I thought it
0: was a gal, but I don't know, nor do I care too much.
2: Meh. Either way, we get Captain Marvel, and she's fun. And Adam Warlock. Not Adam Warlock. I forget what the guy's name is actually is, but they've renamed him to Adam. At the end credits scene of Guardians of the Galaxy, but he's the dude who gave uh, Captain Marvel her power, and he's wielded the Infinity Gauntlet with
1: Hmm. Wait, so I is is, our, is this Captain Marvel going to be Carol Danvers then, or yeah? Okay, I guess that's better.
2: Oh, did you think it was um Captain Marvel? yeah, that's right yes, was that not the original Captain Marvel? yeah, it was a uh, Captain Marvel, and one canon of the comic books is that Carol Danvers ran into Captain Marvel and got her superpowers from him and thus renamed herself Captain Marvel in homage to Captain Marvel, and yeah. Okay. Because Captain Marvel is a alien. I forget how to spell his name. I can't keep the canon straight. What canon can we keep straight? Oh, probably um DC cinematic universe. No. <laughs> garbage, garbage? No. Uh what we can keep straight is that N- Nintendo
1: has chosen a new president.
0: Scott, yeah, why don't right. you tell
1: us about this?
0: So, uh, Nintendo has announced their selection for their uh, new president, Shuntaro Furukawa, who will be replacing Tatsumi Kimishima, who took over after... uh, Was it Iwata that he took after? Um, I believe so, after after, uh, Iwata passed away. Um, Anyway, there... Was a good article that I was reading, talking a little bit about the new president. He's obviously a uh, much younger man to run the company, although the company hasn't been run by like all extremely old men for its entire history. Um, who else was? They had someone else who was. Uh, oh yeah, that was Satoru Iwata. Was the other? Uh, was another person to. Uh, have control of the company as president in their 40s but this guy uh firakawa is only 46 years old so he's been pretty much playing video games since their inception which is something that's kind of interesting about him he also seems to be quite the gamer himself he's talked about a lot of the games that he likes to play a current favorite is uh golf story which um cookie you mentioned that not too it's, long ago on some podcasts it's great, yeah, yeah. and so um the article that i 'm reading from a uh journalist who is going over uh some of the details about him was very excited about him demonstrating uh, kind of the like attitudes and thoughts that a a modern gamer uh, might have and and could bring to the benefit of Nintendo. I did notice that there was um, one quote in the article that I found that, that just caught my eye and I don't necessarily find troubling, but some, something that if I were to hear it from, like, say an EA executive would make me worried. Uh, but it was, the incoming president realizes that games-as-a-service models and mobile games are becoming increasingly important and that Nintendo isn't making as much money as it could in those areas. Um, I'm, I'm just obviously going to, uh, keep my ear to the ground to see if that means that Nintendo is going to be making more mobile games like Mario run or fire emblem heroes. Um, and if we may see actually some like quality games from Nintendo on our smartphones and other mobile platforms outside of like Nintendo exclusive hardware, and um, just see what else, like what else the company does in that particular realm. I think obviously there will still be a lot of focus on the Nintendo Switch's capabilities with things like the Labo and its own um, uses for Nintendo-exclusive games. But I feel like the mobile market under this president may have a, an injection of a lot
2: more interest or talent from Nintendo. Only time will tell,
0: yeah, I don't know when he's ultimately uh taking over when he does transition into the role as president, so that's also another thing like i don't i don't I didn't see necessarily when um when they're having Kimishima step down. Oh here we go. Furukawa will assume office on june twenty eighth, so he'll hop in he'll hop into the company pretty soon.
1: I don't know. I wonder what games as a service means on the switch. And I hesitantly imagine
0: Oh no, not MMORPGs. Please Oh my
2: god, can I play Smite on the Switch? Anything Thank you. But not MMORPGs oh. on the Switch. I f- Tara. So, so Tara you
1: know what? You joke about that, but we already know PSO2 is coming.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's Fantasy Star Online.
1: Yes, two, and uh, let me actually confirm that because I thought I heard PSO2 was coming out for Switch. Fantasy Star Online to Cloud, which uh, has been out for like good eight years now, or seven years. Uh, only issue is that it has never been released in America, so I wonder. After seven years, with an English translation for their Hong Kong release, does that mean we'll actually get an official localization? Who knows. But uh, but yeah, maybe maybe there's gonna be more like MMOs or like multiplayer online RPGs. But what I'm scared more about are things like. Clash of Clans and Gotcha Base games hitting Switch.
2: Yeah, that'd be awful. We don't want that. Anyways,
1: uh, if you have questions, comments, or concerns, you can write in at podcast at ramen dot com. Please
2: leave us. More importantly, oh, go ahead. I was going to say more importantly. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, and somebody will read it at some point one day. Dot I make no promises. Dot com. It is
0: it, it is Cookie's job to read it. <coughs> you have been you've been voted uh, the responsible party. Hey man, I keep checking. We still don't have enough reviews, so you know. Yeah, we'll get there. And one way to help and us we'll name- get there is to tell your friends about us. So please go ahead and spread the word. So Cookie has a job to do when it comes to reading the, uh, the credits. Keep me employed.
1: Man, can you imagine all you do is read reviews for pay? That would be nice. It's
0: keeping us off these streets.
1: Would you be like the supervisor of a media relations team then or something? I don't know. Be fine.
2: Yeah. I don't mind supervising a media relations team. Means I don't have to do shit. (laughs) Office, place, politics. Have a good week,
1: everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Bye.